is my victory, constantly watching over me. He is constantly watching over me. We are his children and he is our father, watching over our soul. Great is his love for his sons and his daughters, watching wherever we go. And when the winds blow, he is my shelter, and when I'm lost and alone, he rescues me. And when the lion comes, he is constantly watching over me. He is constantly watching over me. Rushing wind blow through me with your tender breeze. Shout the depths of my heart like a fire burn through me here on my knees. Consume every dark hidden part. There is no friend to me like you long to be. Down here below or above, rushing wind help me see my father and me, a vessel of his tender love. Holy Spirit, all-consuming fire, joy of my heart's desire. Everybody. Holy Spirit, all-consuming fire. joy of my heart's desire, with the joy of my heart's desire. Be seated, please. Good morning again, church. It is a great day to be with you, and I'm uh, I'm grateful again just to, to celebrate with Landon and his decision and with these families that God has brought our way. Um, God's doing great things among us, and we are 
excited about our future together. One thing I want to just mention as we start, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 in just a minute if you want to turn there. Uh, But one thing that I want to mention as we start is that um, next Sunday during Bible class, this is in the bulletin, but just because it might get lost in the midst of all the stuff that's in the bulletin, uh, during Bible class next Sunday upstairs, if you have a child in our children's ministry, we are uh, we're going to have a guest, Clint Askins, that works with, works with Mercy Project, is going to be in town, and uh, he's going to be talking to our kids. Suzanne and, and Clint have coordinated some stuff that he's going to be sharing with both kids and parents, and so they'll be all up there together. And uh, you'll probably be seeing something about that in an email or something this week. But we wanted to at least mention it so you can be aware. And if you don't. Uh, typically make it to class. Maybe next week uh, you can make the effort to be here. It'll be a good a good time for that uh, as well. Interestingly enough, Clint Askins, he, who again works with Mercy Project, he's in town today, but he's uh, at a different church in Kaufman. And um, through our through our kids' involvement with Mercy Project, uh, another church, Country Bible Church, learned about uh, Mercy Project and and asked us like what, what is it what's involved with supporting mercy project and uh and so clint's they're they're now supporting mercy project so clint's actually over there for a special day that they're having today and uh, is going to be attending a conference in dallas this week and then is going to stick around so he can be with us next sunday so uh so be be aware of that it's an exciting thing that god kind of did through our relationship with some other churches in town so uh, we are in a series called Meet Jesus. We're calling Meet Jesus, uh, where we're listening and looking at the stories that the gospel writers tell us uh, about Jesus, specifically in the earliest part of his ministry. And we believe that knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing a person can do. And so over the last uh, several weeks and for a couple weeks still, we're going to be looking at these stories uh, in an effort to get to know Jesus better, to look back at some stories that we know and familiar with, but, but also that we can understand, I think, at a deeper level. And so this morning, our story is going to be in Luke chapter 5, uh, a story about a time that Jesus went fishing. Uh, but before we look there in Luke 5, I want to ask if you would just to pray with me as we start. Father, we're grateful this morning for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. We see your hand at work in the life of our church, and we're grateful to be a part of it, Uh, grateful to be used by you, grateful that you, the almighty, uh, infinite, everlasting God, are concerned about us and our lives and our world, that you have not abandoned us or forsaken us, that you are here with us, working among us. And God, our desire is to honor Christ through uh, this church and through the ministries and the outreach of this church, uh, through the people who make up this body. And I pray this morning that you will uh, you'll use these words from Luke 5 to give us uh, a new way of thinking about, a new way of seeing our role in this process of reaching the world with the love of Christ. Uh, I pray, Father, that you will... Uh, You'll move me and my words out of the way, and you'll speak to us clearly today, God. As we look at a familiar story to many, uh, that we'll see it with new eyes, we'll hear it with new ears, and we pray through the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. So we're going to begin in verse 1, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. 
Uh, And Luke writes these words. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And, asked, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So the end of Luke 4, which we didn't read, actually tells us that Peter knew Jesus before this day in Luke 5. But it's this day in that boat that I think Peter really met Jesus for the first time. The story actually starts with Jesus teaching, and the crowd grows so much, Luke tells us, that Jesus asks Peter to let him use his boat. N.T. Wright, in his commentary on Luke, wrote this about what took place on that shore. He says, along the the lake shore, close to Capernaum, there was a sequence of steep inlets, a zigzagging shoreline with each inlet forming a natural amphitheater. To this day, if you get in a boat and push out a little from shore, you can talk in a quite natural voice. And anyone on the slopes of the inlet can hear you clearly, more clearly, in fact, than if you were right there on the shore with them. Jesus was simply exploiting the geography of the area and the ready availability of a boat. So this is the scene. Jesus teaching, Jesus using Peter's boat and the crowd is huge but they can hear and Jesus teaches the crowd but the teaching of the crowd really isn't the point of the story it really isn't even about the fishing though if you like to fish you can appreciate a story like this about a catch of fish like this this outdoes all of your fishing stories this story is not about any of that though this story I believe is about Peter and this story is about you so just for a moment I want you to imagine your life I want you to imagine that you're a fisherman and that you spend your days as a fisherman tossing out nets into the water and pulling them back in. This is not just any kind of a job. Like, this is work. These guys are out in the sun. They are exposed to the wind and the elements. And Peter is apparently doing pretty well with all of it. He and James and John have gone into business together. Their fishing operation, we know, is at least two boats large at this point in the story. They're growing their small business. Peter, we learn from 
the last part of chapter 4 is married and is apparently providing for his family through this business that they've started. But today has been a hard, a particularly hard day. I mean, these guys know what to do. They're not ignorant about the fishing process. That's what they do for a living. But this day has been really difficult. They have zero fish to show for their efforts, Luke tells us. And while they are washing their nets, which is important to note, Jesus involves Peter. And he turns to Peter and he says, my paraphrase, let's go fishing. And Peter's like, we've been working for hours. We've been fishing. We're done fishing. All of our guys have worked hard all night long, and we didn't catch a single fish. Plus, Peter says, I've already washed my nets, which is a translation for I'm done working for the day. You don't wash your nets at the end of the day. You know, you wash your nets at the end of the day because you're going to put them up, hang them up to dry, and you're going to leave, and you're going to come back the next day and start all over. Peter starts in with Jesus with his, his I've already list of reasons why he shouldn't go fishing, but then he surrenders. He says, okay, because you say so, Jesus, we'll do it. And he loads up and he pushes away from shore. And the fact that Peter agrees to push out from shore, I say all of that because I think the, the fact that Peter agrees to push away from the shore is a minor miracle in and of itself that I don't want us to miss in the story. Because again, you clean your nets up because you're done fishing for the day. Peter is ready to go home. He is done. He's had a hard day. And he's tired. But he does it. He stops what he's doing. And he gets into the boat to help Jesus. Now, you need to know also about this story that Peter is my favorite disciple. I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite disciples or not, but I do. And Peter is my guy. He speaks before he thinks. He jumps out of boats and walks on water before he's thought it all the way through. You know, he, he, even here, he drops what he's doing. And he allows, though he doesn't initially want to, for a, a Jesus interruption in his day. You know what a Jesus interruption is, don't you? It's, it's that moment in your day when you, you're doing something. Maybe it's on your phone, maybe it's work, maybe it's, you know, a, a chore, something else, and you have children at home, a, a child, a small child maybe, and they are trying to get your attention to show you something, but you're too busy to do whatever they want you to do. It's the moment when someone steps into your office or sends a text or, or opens up to you and shares something and becomes vulnerable maybe with you in their life. They want to talk to you specifically but you're distracted, you have other things on your mind, and you don't give them your full attention. It's the moments that, though, that you just have this sense that that moment, more than anything else, needs your attention, more than the moment that before when you were doing whatever it is that you were doing. Peter is interruptible in this moment. He, he doesn't initially like the idea, Jesus, we've been working all night, I'm washing my nets, I'm done for the day, but because you say so, let's go. Peter is interruptible. I want to be more like that. I want you to be more like that. I want us to be more like that. Could Jesus get your attention today, even when you're preoccupied with something else? Could Jesus 
change your plans. Those plans that you've marked out and planned and put on the calendar and that you're saving for, you're preparing for, could Jesus change those plans if he asked to, to step into your boat and to be a part of that situation that you're in? Could Jesus change your plans if you're in the middle of wrapping up a day's work like Peter to go home, in the middle of doing something important? Peter pushes away and he pushes out into deep water and that's when it happens. Luke tells us that they caught so many fish that their newly cleaned nets begin to break. So Peter signals his partners in the fishing business, James and John, James and John to come over and to help and they fill both boats with fish. Now, I don't know what you picture when you picture this scene, but because I've had the privilege of traveling to Ghana and seeing the work that Mercy Project does. I have seen fishermen on a lake, probably not all that different from the Sea of Galilee, catching fish and then tossing them into a boat for after a harvest. And so this is a scene that I picture. So if you don't have one for yourself, you can use this one this morning. And I don't know if it looked like this, but it's what I imagine when I think of this story. I don't know how many fish, right? How many fish have to be in a boat in order for the boat to start sinking? I think the official number is a boatload, which is a dad joke. But we don't know, right? We don't know how many of fish. But these, I mean, just imagine that scene for a minute. They're filling these boats with fish, and the boats begin to sink. The nets have broken. I, I imagine them pulling them over into the boat. The nets are breaking as they do it. They spill out into the bottom of this boat, and then the boats start to go down. So if his net's breaking and the struggle to get the fish in the boat aren't enough, right? they have a new problem now. The boats are sinking. And it's in this sinking moment that well, this is what happens to Peter. He moves from a fisherman to a follower of Jesus Christ. He forgets. Do you notice that? He forgets the sinking boat for a minute. And he falls to his knees and says, Away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. He knows, because he's a fisherman, this kind of stuff doesn't happen every day. Something holy has just taken place. He's never seen anything like it before. And so Peter asks Jesus to go away from him because, this is why I think he asked this question, I think Peter believes in this moment that only someone that has walked with God, that is a saint, that is pious and upright and living the perfect life, the best life, only someone like that is worthy of standing in the presence of someone who just made something like this happen. And Peter is certain in this moment that he is not worthy of being in Jesus' presence. Peter believes that he can't be in Jesus' presence because he's clearly, Jesus is clearly a man of God and Peter is clearly a sinner and God only uses holy people, right? It's dangerous for a sinner to be in the presence of Jesus, Peter thinks. And so his words, away from me, Lord, they're, they're full of respect, they're full of admiration they're full of a, a little bit of fear even I think as we hear Peter say those words but I think what turns out to be the most beautiful moment in the entire story is what happens next 
when Jesus says to Peter, Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Peter, your past. Peter, your sin. Peter, your flaws and your mistakes, they are not enough to keep me away from you. Today, from now on, you will fish for people. And I think this morning, Jesus stands in the boat and says the same thing to us. He says, your sin, your past, your flaws, your mistakes, none of it are enough to keep Jesus away from you. Do not fear. Jesus only uses people like Peter, and Jesus only uses people like you. Sinners that know that they're sinners can now stand in the presence of God. See, I think that it helps to imagine that you're Peter. But instead, this morning, of just for a minute, of, of being a fisherman, imagine instead that you're a teacher or a CPA or a stay-at-home mom. You're a salesman. You're an electrician. Maybe like Peter, you own a small business. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're retired. Just imagine for a moment that you're doing whatever it is that you do during the day. And up walks Jesus into your life. And he asks you to stop what you're doing to go with him. You go, but under your breath, or in the back of your mind, you're thinking about how much you really need to be doing whatever it is you planned to do that day, or whatever you were doing before that moment that Jesus walked up. See, there's a lot of debate in this story when you read people who write commentaries about this story, about whether Peter completely left his fishing business and followed Jesus or not. But I think that that debate actually sort of misses the point, because I think that what Jesus is saying to Peter is this, I realize, Peter, that you've been a fisherman, but now you're going to do something more than fish for fish. And you don't need boats and nets for the kind of fishing that you're going to do next. All that you need is me, Jesus says. And I think in the same way that Jesus called Peter on that fishing trip in the Sea of Galilee, he calls you too. See, you, you have a job whether you're a student or you have a job, or even if you're retired. You, can, you, you, you know what it's like to work, to be busy doing the things that you do, but Jesus has you. What you do is not who you are. That's what Jesus is saying. In addition to whatever you do for a living, as a follower of Jesus, you also have a higher calling than that thing. A higher calling that has been placed on your life that is more important than what you do for a job. See, I think too many Christians think that their work isn't sacred because they can't see the sacredness of it. But every job has a sacredness to it because every job involves people in some way. The people are really who you're there for. The thing that you do is just the, way, the means through which you do it. And those people that God is placing every single day in your office, on the phone call, 
over coffee or lunch, however it may be. People that, that are, God is placing in, the, in your path and the places where you serve and where you live, like those people, they're swimming in the deep water that God has placed you in. And they are hurting and they are wondering, can someone like me really be in the presence of God? And you have the answer. Because you've seen the great catch of fish. And when we're fishing for fish, the purpose is to eat. But when we're fishing for people, the purpose is to bring them into life with Jesus Christ. And what Jesus wants to do with our lives is to use us, to use us as his people, to bring people into a relationship with God so that the world knows that God has come near and that they do not need to be afraid because God loves them too. Jesus says to us this morning, you are not what you do. You have moved from a coach to a follower of Jesus. You have moved from an engineer to a follower of Jesus. You have moved from a student to a follower of Jesus. Like, this is what you do, but this is who you are. And Peter didn't understand that at first, and then his eyes are open, and he sees, and he falls down on his knees and says, away from me, Lord. I, I clearly, I can't be in your presence because you are so holy, and now I see that. I need to, there needs to be some separation. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't step away. He steps in. He leans in. He steps toward Peter and says, do not be afraid. You're the only kind of people that I use. I wonder, when Peter was older, as I think about this story and Peter growing older, and I wonder how much he thought back to this day. I wonder if he ever thought back to his decision to let Jesus into his boat, to agree after a long day's work, finish washing the nets, to let Jesus into his boat. And I wonder if he ever thought about that decision to agree to push away from the shore into deeper water. And I wonder if he ever thought about that catch of fish that he witnessed. We, we don't know, of course, but I believe, I imagine that he thought about it often. Because I think this was the day that his life changed in so many ways, that he really met Jesus. He really saw Jesus for the first time. And it occurs to me this morning that, that some of us, some of us are Peter. We identify with Peter in this story. We want God to open our eyes and God to open our ears so that we can take notice, right, of the world around us. And that when Jesus asks to get in our boat, we let him in. And when he invites us to push out to deeper water, we, we follow his, we, because you say so, we'll do it. Some of us are Peter, and we, that, that thought excites us. It gets us energized thinking about having our eyes open and being aware of, as we go out into our week this week, being aware of the ways that God is going to place people in our paths that are swimming in deep water that need the work, the work and the love of Christ in their life. Some of us can identify with Peter, but it also occurs to me this morning that some of us are on the shore. You remember the crowd? The crowd that's really kind of a minor character in this story? really had just set up the great event of the catch of fish. They're, they're originally the reason that Jesus is there on the shore. I imagine the story, as I imagine the story, I can't help but think that 
when Peter and Jesus and James and John pull these two boats back up to the shore, I, I imagine that many of the people who were on the shore initially to listen to Jesus teach haven't gone anywhere, that they're still there. And they're witnessing also this, these two boats barely making it back to the shore because they're being drugged along with so many fish. Maybe today you relate more to them than to Peter. I wonder how many of them, they knew Jesus. I mean, they've even been listening to Jesus teach. Or they've been lis listening to someone teach about Jesus. But you feel like you've been standing on the shore and watching Jesus from afar for a while. And now you're ready to push out into deep water too. I think that's really, church, the invitation of this story. Will we follow, allow Jesus into our boat and push out into deep water into whatever life that looks like ahead of us? Or will we play it safe with the crowd on the shore? Those are the options, I think, presented to us in this story. To be sure, if we let Jesus into the boat, and if we push away from shore, trusting it will mean trusting Jesus beyond all of our excuses, all of our I've already washed my net excuses, or we've been working all night excuses. It will, it will mean trusting Jesus beyond all of that, but I promise you it will be worth it. The life that is out there in deep water is better than any life that you can create for yourself on the shore. And today, for us, started like every other day, didn't it? I think that that day started like every other day for Peter. But now, Jesus is standing on the shore with us, and he asks you this question. Can I borrow your boat? Would you mind pushing out a little into deeper water? And our answer, it may change our lives. But it will be full of the best kind of adventure. Let's pray. This morning, God, we're grateful for stories like this that help us imagine a life <clears throat> that is beyond the one we're living. And I pray that you'll give us courage to extend uh, the invitation, to accept the invitation of, of Jesus in our boat out in the deeper water, God. We don't know what that means for each one, and I imagine it looks different for many of us in this room, but I know that the best life that you imagine us living is out there in that deeper water with you. I pray you'll give us courage to have creative imagination about what that may look like, ways that that may look in our own lives, people that that might involve us interacting with, things that might involve us changing about our lives, sin that might involve us confessing to you. I, I don't know what it looks like, but I know that a deeper life involves change. It involves a willingness to trust you beyond all of our excuses, beyond all of our reasons why we shouldn't, and to go where you lead. I pray that you'll give us the courage both individually and collectively as a church because we believe that that life is more abundant than anything we can create for ourselves on the shore. 
We love you and we're grateful this morning for Jesus Christ who we see more clearly today as a result of this story. We pray in his name and the church said, amen. This morning, as we do each week, we like to provide a time to respond to God. And it may be that you want to respond uh, in a more public way and I'll be down front or there'll be an elder in the back that you can also pray with. You can respond and, and ask somebody around you to pray with you if you want to do it that way. However you need to respond to God, let's do that as we sing uh, this next song.